Hello and welcome to Voices, a podcast started by a group of students to raise awareness about domestic violence. Today we have a very special guest, Padma Lakshmi Ayangar. She has a background in sociology and psychology. She has been a lawyer for 20 years, having dealt with both civil and criminal cases. She practices in the Supreme Court of India and is presently the additional advocate general for the state of Rajasthan. It's a privilege to have you here with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tia. It's lovely to be here. To begin with, I would like to understand how domestic violence is defined in legal terms. What acts qualify as domestic violence? So, domestic violence is a range of acts, and uh, as the name suggests, it's uh, what we mean by when we say domestic. It basically means what you call home. So, um, you know, siblings, grandparents, parents. Um, it could be your marital home. It could be your live-in partner. You know, whichever place you live in with that person. All of this comes under domestic violence. And we normally think when we say domestic violence is physical abuse, but no, there is emotional, verbal, economic. religious even there are you know of course sexual abuse and all of that but interestingly marital rape it is not um considered to be a domestic abuse in india so apart from this so basically this comes from a sense of entitlement where the person who is abusing believes he or she has that power to uh, treat the abused person in a bad manner so that is what domestic violence really is So, are the victims normally women or men or both? Do children come under the same purview? So, there is no definition of um, who is an abused, which basically means it. An abused can be anybody. It could be your grandparents being abused by your parents. It could be you as an older person abusing your grandparents, not giving them food, not letting them out of the room, not giving them healthy living conditions. It it could be parents. It could be your in-laws. It could be your partner. It could be your children. So yes, that it is men and women. But interestingly, somehow in India, you know, we assume that the perpetrator is always a man. But uh, yes, it extends to children too. And um, you know the therefore it is it, it they are grossly underreported the crimes against men because of this misnomer that we believe men don't men can't be the abused but yes it extends to everyone to answer your question. So thank you for clarifying this. Unlike a widely held belief that the women are sole victims of domestic violence, it's important to note that men. children the elderly and in a few countries like india the domestic staff are also subjugated to domestic violence as i understand laws on domestic violence protect both men and women at voices we would like to begin by drawing attention to women as the victims of domestic violence in your opinion what is the extent of prevalence of domestic violence in the country is it specific to a particular stratum region religion or class So let me uh, split that into um, the two natural halves that your question has. One is you want to know about the prevalence of the violence in the country. That is not, um, you know, primarily gender specific. So the prevalence is that India is, as far as women go, um, is considered the most dangerous country in the world for women. The cases are grossly unreported, and uh, you know the mindset is that you know oh. 
family setup you don't complain against your older people or oh, this is part of you know being in the house etc so the if you go to see um if there are 85% women who suffer sexual violence in their marriages only 1% actually report it so 85 out of 100 women suffer it but only one out of that 85 will go report it that is how sad it is the amount of under reporting similarly if you if i had to say compare like i said with you know uh, other countries which are more forward thinking than us so the great example is that of america the difference is about 10% for every lakh in america 590 cases are reported but in india as far as domestic cruelty by husband or immediate in-laws goes for every lakh it's only 5.9 cases so we have a very long way to go to create awareness and to empower our women now coming to where do you find prevalence of this i can if you if i say this is where i find prevalence of it the the entire crux of it being a problem will go and it will become a very class stratum or religion specific problems that it is their problem we don't have it they have it it's not like that this is a problem we have all over india no matter where you come from and you'll be surprised at the amount of domestic violence you have in very wealthy families the amount of abuse there are of children in very girls in very wealthy families just because it's covered up it doesn't mean it doesn't exist so that said i think socio economic independence of women is is a huge factor i believe in it myself and i think women should earn must be financially independent and must have the choice to spend their money the way they want to where they want to in the manner they want to secondly education very 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 important for us to educate our girls to not think that education is for boys and you know to colloquially put it ladki kya karne wali hai padke i'm sorry she needs to be educated too because she will in turn educate her own children so you know the same fishing example and teaching you know the generation how to fish you you feed them for their lives so therefore all of this being said i want to pitch it at education and i want to pitch it at gender equality and financial independence I definitely agree that the prevalent ideas on masculinity and the associated views on women being inferior are a major contributor to the domestic violence against women not just in India but globally this is quite evident even for countries like Iceland and other nordic countries that fare quite high up in the global gender gap index despite the fact that Iceland is a front runner on this index and has been successful in structurally reducing gender gap in many areas it continues to have disproportionately high levels of domestic violence harassment and everyday sexism you must have come across several varied cases of domestic violence in your working experience what are the major contributing causes for the incidence of domestic violence in india so there is this ingrained um thought process in a lot of societies more so in india is where women are uh, because they depend with an in inverted commas um on men you know for uh, the men are basically the breadwinners and they take care of everybody in their house so women are basically thought of as second grade citizens 
you run the kitchen you do you do whatever a nanny does that's primarily your job but you're not a decision maker so therefore you are a second grade citizen now suppose if a woman has had enough and she comes out to complain and this is shocking because when this used to happen when 498a which is the dowry harassment uh, section was in- enacted the first thing that even a police officer would tell that woman is uh, why don't you sort it out at home you don't come out and talk like this it's an in-house issue it, it, does it look nice for you to come here and sit and talk about it she is facing abuse she has threat to life in her own house in a setup which is normally supposed to give me comfort your home is supposed to be where you feel most safe isn't it and in a place where you feel most safe she tells you no i have threat to my life i i am treated badly i am made to sleep in the bathroom i am beaten up i am not allowed to do this i'm not allowed to call my parents you tell her go back to that environment it's shocking you know for for me to think that it's it's a private and family matter hello she's reporting about that private and family individuals so yeah there there is all of this we need to take away this uh, thought process that bad people can't exist in your family we need to look at it objectively and understand that if she's walking up to you with a complaint then respect her for that she's not she's not someone who's trying to uh, break the family tradition so to speak so yeah that these are the most uh, appalling type of people one comes across and they, they are supposed to be policemen so i have lawyers who have sat across women uh, you know the famous movie that was just released called thappad you know where they tell her that oh he only slapped you once otherwise he's been okay to you so what is not okay is not okay whether it's the first time or the 100th time it's about her breaking point so yeah so can victims of domestic violence find recourse in the indian legal system sure they can tia but the problem is the gap between um, awareness and recourse the laws are all there that said is it being carried out well by the legal system by the policemen who are doing the investigation no there's there's a lot much left to be desired are the women empowered enough to know they even have those rights are they empowered enough to know that if they take those rights there is the law stands by them no that there is a huge gap so to re- reiterate as a first step it is important to be aware of one's rights and laws of recourse what is the first legal recourse available that she needs to go to a police station and register a complaint um in the form of an fir and fir is a first information report now what we need to do most importantly and most people think that oh uh, the person to whom this has happened is the person who writes the first information report no the first information report can be written to whom the particular offense happened can also be the person who knows of that offense happening suppose say for example your sister is being treated or somebody else in your house is being treated in a bad way and like your domestic staff and it's really subjugated and is not being treated well you can go file an fir on that person's behalf right yeah so there is there is all that so just the next step is to approach the police and file an fir and could you also please elucidate the different legal rights available under the indian penal code um so 
what happens is under the indian penal code there there is the um, you know uh, sections that are there under the indian penal code as well as there is um, there are other specific acts we have in india too like the domestic violence act as far back as 2005 we have the pocso then which deals with sexual offences against children and um, you know in 2013 in fact we had a very landmark set of amendments to the criminal procedure code and thereby the indian penal code in this that happened right after nirbhaya if i don't know if you recall but a lot of other people would so therefore um, you know there is there is a lot of that but even then marital rape did not was left unaddressed although it was pushed for so yeah so it's also very important to understand exclusions in the domestic violence act the latest national family health survey states that 83% of married women between the ages of 15 to 49 years cite their husband as perpetrators of sexual abuse in light of this shouldn't marital rape be included in the domestic violence act ideally it should be there but then we then need to see and uh, let me explain why this is not and i'm not not someone who justifies this i am completely anti the fact that marital rape is not included but let's understand where um, somebody comes from now there is only a certain percentage of india which is in the cities okay so almost 70% of india lives in its villages now in 70% of india which is in the villages what happens is uh, you know um they think of marriage of as two families getting together and when two families get together they what they do is they think of it as a union of sorts so when they think of it as a union of sorts and if somebody is trying to break that fabric called marriage it's not looked upon very well it's not uh, they don't want it to be so trivial that someone can actually get up and walk away just because she was not okay in bed one day whereas i would argue it even if it was one day if i'm not okay i'm not okay you can't force yourself on me and no means no but in india we do not have that it's assumed that if we are married to each other then every day yes it's yes and there is no option of a no now all that said what happens is we um, therefore do not have it but if we empower our women um, you know and are able to do all of that and be able to tell them that yes these are your rights and that is where we were talking about boundaries being drawn you need to say hey it doesn't mean i hate you it doesn't mean i will not sleep with you but not today it's okay it doesn't change anything between us we don't have a bad marriage just because it's not happening today and you don't have to behave so badly with me and treat me so badly so yeah there are ways of doing it it may not happen the first day but it will eventually that's what i believe do you feel that the laws in india are sufficient to protect domestic violence victims uh yes it is sufficient to protect so and there are mechanisms and um you know but does that mean as our girls are getting more and more independent economically are these incidents getting less no so we go back to square one which is awareness if you do not know what rights you have and if you are the vice president of a company you can go home and get beaten up 
you will come back the next day and like a lot of people famously say i hit myself on the kitchen counter so i always still will believe that yes while we bring up children as they are children there is a certain way you teach them how to treat girls but when they grow up awareness is very important legal education is very important so yes while a girl should be made aware the boy should be made to understand that she is a human being don't treat her as a girl she's another human being just like you so yeah we have a long way to go there how would you compare the legal framework for protecting domestic violence victims to that suggested by the human right laws on domestic violence propagated by the united nations uh, so the united nations charter is something we are a signatory to we are part of it we completely believe in it and uh, but then a uh, uh, united nation charter like in all other laws is is a broad framework it covers from the minimum to the maximum so every country cherry picks what suits their particular country they put it together and form their laws so of course we we are part of that and therefore we um, are protecting the victims but what is your definition of victim in your country may not be so in say in africa and maybe inapplicable to say um, you know an america or another more evolved country but yes we all of us therefore like i say we cherry pick from that charter and see what applies to you the most so do you feel that the recent legislation of the domestic violence under the protection of women from violence act from 2005 has it reduced the incidence of domestic violence in the country no i just gave you the example of 85% women in a study uh, conducted by a foreign paper which they said that we go through uh, you know sexual assault in our marriages definitely at least once so you turn around and ask them have you reported no only 1% has so um, till we change our mindsets till we um, you know talk about what are good things what is good be like like i if i recall what we were to, all of you were taught when you were in school the difference between a good touch and a bad touch i want yes. to understand when you were taught good touch and bad touch why did that why does that bad touch not continue to be bad touch when you're adults when the kind of touch on you changes yes it changes but why do you not have good touch and bad touch when you're 25 and you're in a relationship you should continue to right but they don't definitely yeah but it doesn't so that's the sad part so when that does not happen and when you're told look the other way it's all right we were and your own mother say oh, we've also all gone through but that's not a medal to wear you should stop doing that you know so therefore yeah we, again we go back to awareness the, the acts are all in place but a uh, time for you know a drop in the crime rate is going to be a systemic overhaul it's going to take time it's going to take efforts by all stakeholders parents boys teachers the legal system alone can't be made to say hey implement me implement me doesn't um as you mentioned before the first legal recourse available is the police and the most important thing is for one to know their rights but how can an aggrieved person reach out for help is there a legal aid helpline number no we don't have a legal aid helpline number now what happens is legal aid as we um 
sometimes mistakenly understand is not a phone number that will tell you what your legal rights are and sort try and sort your issues for you in india legal aid is um you know a battery of lawyers a committee of sorts which is basically for very 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 poor people who have no access to justice because of where they live because of lack of money because of so many other reasons and uh, it's the state's responsibility to provide um legal aid to uh, people who need access to justice so the state pays for these lawyers and they in turn fight the cases for these people so there is no legal aid in terms of uh, you know one calling up and saying hey i'm having this problem can you tell me what i can do about it no we don't have something like that in india so the un has described the worldwide increase in domestic abuse as a shadow pandemic alongside covid-19 with a 20% increase in cases worldwide during lockdown what is your opinion and how do you think the legal system can intervene at this time see of course we you know although we we are all part of homes or certain setups we've never been shut down with them inside a certain space for such extended periods of time um as human beings we are not like that we we step out and we you know have our own jobs to do there are a lot of people who've lost their jobs so there is that amount of frustrations money coming down you know kids in the house so everybody has different issues so which is why it's called a shadow pandemic because while this affects you bodily um you know having this kind of domestic abuse is affecting you mentally and verb you know as far as sexually etc so a legal recourse is not uh, a kickstart it doesn't uh, operate on its own it doesn't it's not a button you have to reach it for it to be uh, for it to come to your rescue so maybe one of the ideas that one can think of is during a pandemic maybe set up a cell of sorts in which there are some counselors you know some people who have a little bit of junior people who are lawyers who can give their time and you know take calls like you said legal aid but not call it legal aid and you know uh, call it some other helpline and if you call see you're seeing something you're going through something but you don't know where to go so uh, as we're coming to the end of our podcast uh, i would like to understand a global perspective on domestic violence what is the global variation on domestic violence laws so we um i we i was just explaining to you about the un charter right so the un charter sets yes. out this broad background now for example if if i were to say in india no we need laws against female genital mutilation it's unheard of in india it's unheard of but it's as far as i'm concerned as a lady i'd probably like to say it's the most grotesque thing that you can ever do on a woman ever and it's it's prevalent in africa so they will have they will pick that part out and make sure their girls are protected and not genitally mutilated when they come of age or you know when they get married or whatever it might be so therefore what happens is when there when you say there's a global uh, perspective the global perspective is called domestic uh, violence family abuse but you pick up what is okay for your country what applies most to our country for example marital rape should apply to our country but there is a resistance because it is also a societal thing so maybe over the years it will when live in relationships become a little more common when girls marry more out of their choice live more away from their families and not necessarily two families come together maybe it will become a common thing but for now it's not 
uh and with that we come to an end of the podcast thank you so much for your insights on the legal rights available to domestic violence victims and how law can effectively be used to deter the prevalence of the issue to conclude while it's important to know our rights and assert them within legal parameters it is equally important to address the social norms by sensitizing both men and women about this issue changing existing mindset and drawing firm lines of respect Tune in to the next episode where we will be speaking to Mrs. Surbhi Agarwal, the Dean of the International University of Geneva, who specializes in gender studies.